Welcome to the EFM Morning Brief. We hope it's a really quick, interesting, entertaining way for you to get up to speed of the latest news and events at the market. It's Sunday morning. Maybe you're tuning in while you pop a paracetamol and wonder why you stayed out so late last night. Um, but I would say don't feel guilty because we haven't been here in person together in three years. So we need those late nights together again. My name is Wendy Mitchell. I'm a journalist and film festival consultant, and I'm hosting these morning briefings. I'm really delighted. Just a reminder, EFM Morning Brief is part of the year-round podcast series, Industry Insights, the EFM podcast. Today's guest is Eric Kahn from IndieWire. He's executive editor and VP of editorial strategy and a smart cookie. And I've got to raise my hosting game because Eric, I know a lot of you listening to this, listen to Eric regularly on his own Screen Talk podcast with Ann Thompson. So no pressure. Terrifying to think that you all do. <laughs> but nice nice to know there are people out there listening, of course. Yes, of course. Um, Eric, I first wanted to ask you, I know you're, you're very international-minded. You're based in New York, but... Um, I did want to ask you, just from that U.S. perspective, how you're looking, how the Berlinale is looking this year, how the market is looking. Obviously, the festival opened with a U.S. film that sold very well, but hasn't yet closed its U.S. deal at the time we're talking. Um, that was that's she came to me. Um, you know, Spielberg's here. Yeah, what's the sort of American mood in Berlin and the EFM? There's a significant American presence this year all across town, and I think part of it is because what you're seeing is that after a year and change of, of virtual festivals, the, the way in which Berlin is sort of situated in between Sundance and, and Cannes is kicking back in a really significant kind of way to have a real role to play. So the opening night film, for example, the Rebecca Miller film, could have been maybe at Sundance, but it made sense as an opening night Berlin film. It got a bigger platform in that way. And then you have films that were at Sundance that are playing at Berlin this year. I believe it's 10 or 11 films, uh, many of which have not closed American deals because they're repped by agencies and that's creating all kinds of complications. Uh, if you're waiting for a big streamer deal and they only want all rights, they're not going to sell to some of the smaller American companies. So they're all running around trying to get deals. And, you, and then on top of that, you have films that are just looking to get a bigger international profile. So Past Lives, which is in competition, is a beautiful film that was at Sundance this year that A24 produced, a sort of Korean-American before sunrise in a way. And and that film is it was out of competition at Sundance because if you were in competition at Sundance, you had to be virtual. Uh, and by not being virtual, it had this sort of exclusive buzziness around it being at Sundance, and now it gets to be in competition in Berlin. So you're seeing the circuit of sorts, the kind of interplay between Sundance and Berlin kicking back into place. Yeah, and how busy do you think Sundance deals were? Obviously, there were a few eye-watering big ones, like Flora and Sun. Um, are, you, are you seeing some of those, you know, the effect of Sundance as we go into Berlin? What, what sort of deals, especially for the U.S. buyers, are we seeing? Well, what we saw at Sundance is, is, I think, what we've gotten used to, which is that streamers can spend an exorbitant amount of money because what they're spending for is not necessarily related to the kind of money that something might make at the box office. So when when, when Apple spends $20 million on Flora and Sun or Netflix spends $20 million on, on a movie like Fair Play, you know, these are things, they're, they're almost like vanity plays in a way, but nobody else is going to compete with that because they know that 
their business model can't, even if they could afford it, their business model doesn't support that. So I think what you're seeing more and more is a lot of the agencies are pushing for these big streaming deal, de- deals. And when it when they don't close at Sundance, EFM kicks in back in person. And there's a lot of films that are now trying to figure out, well, if we're not taking an all rights deal with an Apple or a Netflix, what are all the other international territories we can take advantage of right now? And yeah, what would you say you, you guys are writing about a lot at IndieWare? What are some of the industry talking points that you think are interesting right now at the EFM and beyond? Yeah, I mean, w- within the context of, of the EFM, I think it's it's kind of a fascinating moment because of everything that I've already described. But also that there's a, a real sense that, um, you know, the, the there's no middle class of filmmaking anymore. And there's a lot of small movies that don't have a real role to play in the market. And so there's a lot more experimentation going on with them. So outside of an EFM context, I think you're seeing more and more kind of innovation around uh, distribution. Um, it, it's interesting, this past week, we had this moment uh, at the Oscar nominees lunch where Steven Spielberg, a, a guest at the Berlin Alley this year, told Tom Cruise, that he saved Hollywood's ass and that uh, he may have saved theatrical distribution. And I think that's a really interesting window into the way Hollywood wants to see itself, that these big tent poles are the entire business. The reality is that film culture in the industry is much wider than that. And, and I think what we're seeing is a lot of stories about how there's just, it's gotten much more fragmented and there's a lot more room for innovation in terms of how movies get out in the world. And for anybody interested in that topic, Eric has published a brilliant column at IndieWire.com that you can go read more saying, sorry, Spielberg, Tom Cruise didn't save Hollywood all by himself. So I I encourage you to read more and think more about that. Um, Eric, you're also a great critic, or I really trust your taste in, in films. And I'm curious, are there films in the festival program that you're really a fan of or any that you're still waiting to see that you're really anticipating? Yeah, I mean, I, I will say that, um, I mean, I mentioned Past Lives. That's the competition film I'm familiar with. And there's another Sundance movie, a, a documentary about sex workers called Kokomo City that Magnolia Pictures actually picked up out of Sundance. It's a really beautiful black and white film I quite liked. Uh, it has a kind of scrappy, scrappy let's say scrappy 90s indie quality that you don't see a lot of anymore. So those two, also uh, Universal, I think is, is doing some really interesting kinds of movies now through its various subsidiaries. And there's a film called The Adults that was uh, produced by Universal uh, Content Group out of the London office. Uh, it's a director named Dustin Guidafa made a film at Sundance called Person to Person a few years ago, and it stars Michael Sarah as this gambler who kind of uses poker to avoid all of his other real problems in life. And it's, it's a great passive-aggressive Michael Sarah performance. I really, really enjoyed it. And then Focus Features has this movie called Inside, uh, which is Willem Dafoe as, a, as an art that thief uh, trapped in a penthouse. <laughs> uh, and he is the entire cast of the movie trapped in this penthouse. And, you know, on some level, these smaller kinds of films are reflected of the pandemic era production style of just smaller movies. Uh, But there's a lot of really clever, creative uh, solutions to that that I think we're seeing that, you know, I hope we continue to see even if it's easier to make bigger movies now. And the adults and insight are two really good examples of that. Uh, I can't. Uh, first of all, I have a, a ticket. Past Lives launches here today. And I'm with somebody who did Sundance virtually and was just wringing my hair out because I couldn't see it online. I understand why they they didn't want to go online with that. And now I can see it on a big screen in Berlin. So very happy with that. That Um, was the plan. 
Exactly. It works. Um, and inside, I'm happy to say I just booked a ticket for the press screening in a couple of days. And yeah, uh, I'm friends with the producers of that film. And I they let me break the story on screen last year, I guess, because uh, I sort of made the film very under the radar. Um, Willem Dafoe, a, a new Greek director. It's my friends at Heretic, uh, great producers who are working on that. And yeah, that's definitely one of the the titles people are really buzzing about here. I haven't talked to anybody that's who's great. seen it yet. Have you seen it yet? I have seen it, yeah. But I mean, you're under embargo. It, yeah, I guess so. I, I lose track of these things. I can tell you I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really innovative. It's the second movie with Willem Dafoe trapped in a, in a New York apartment. If anyone remembers Abel Ferrara's 444, Last Day on Earth. But that one was apocalyptic, and this one is a little bit more like castaway-ish in a way. So it's, it's different. But he is one of the great actors working today, and it's always nice to see a good performance uh, showcase. And one other thing I would say about the market really quickly um, the dock uh, space is huge now. And while it can, you don't see a ton of documentaries. Berlin does make room for them. And the fact that we have a bunch of American documentaries that, you know, in, in one world you could see them premiering at Sundance. Uh, but the fact that they're at Berlin, I think, is notable that you have Sean Penn's superpower on Zelensky. You have a Donna, Donna Summer dock. You have a Joan Baez dock. I mean, that really gives you a sense of the, you know, for better or worse, the commercialization of the doc space continues and on. And also just some of those, not American documentaries, but a, a few straight from, from Sundance, like Twice Colonized, um, yeah. I think has been talked about a lot here, I think. Uh, and the King said, what a fantastic machine. You know, it's in generation here, which is, I, I talked to the filmmakers, they're really excited that their film is going to screen for 800 German school kids. Uh, they just that. can't wait yeah. to see it. Um, and that's a film that's been selling well as well. So, Eric, anything else you're, you're talking to people as the EFM is ongoing or wrapping up? Yeah, I would say the the one thing that I'm excited to get out of EFM towards the end is what's going to Cannes this year. Uh, every, every year towards the end of the market, you really start to get a sense of what people are hearing about. Uh, all the sellers are name-checking all tours that they're hoping to get into competition and so forth. And so just going back to that idea that the circuit kicks back into place, having EFM back in person means it's now a launch pad for presenting certain movies that could be going to Cannes. And uh, I always really get a kick out of tracking that stuff and advance so that's around the corner for me yeah i love that all of us at the trades it's always like that last day of the berlin market what's going to can it's like oh my goodness just give us a moment to breathe but we love it <laughs> no, we love the predictions going. okay yeah. eric thank you so much for sharing some insights with us and some film tips and thanks again for for joining us at the morning brief and you know good luck watching some more films Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. And it's good to hear from you as well. It's nice to have everyone back in the thick of things. We've got a packed day of, of talks and sessions at the EFM. A reminder, they're at the new Documentation Center, 90 Stressmannstrasse, just four minutes walk from MGB. At 1130, it's shifting business models with an A. Whatever genius designed this, I just love it. It's looking at audiences, AVOD, and AI. Maybe there's some other A words, uh, but looking at real shifts in our industry and what opportunities the, these things can bring for new business models. The speakers there include Guy Bisson from Ampere Analysis and Helena Danielson from Viaplay. At 2 p.m., we have how the rise of animation is driving change. And 
The speakers will include several filmmakers who are selected in the festival program, as well as Clark Spencer, who is president of Disney Animation Studios. At 3.30, there's an EFM startup session. This is looking at new tools to help shape our industry. A great way, in a quick session, you get to hear about all 11 selected startups and see the solutions. A lot of these are targeted at producers. Don't be afraid if, uh, if you're scared of technology. Come along and hear what they've dreamed up to help the industry, in particular producers. At 5 p.m., a session called Surfing the Waves, Audience Building in a New Period of Change. This is presented in collaboration with Europa Distribution. And it's looking at some real-life innovative strategies for physical and online releases, how to best engage audiences, and I think really some new and smart ways to think about audience. Important for everybody in this industry. So thanks again for joining us for this EFM Morning Brief. We'll be back again tomorrow morning. I hope you have great listening, talking, and meetings, and maybe even a film today. Thanks for joining us.